Amen, amen, amen. How's everybody doing? Everybody doing well? Man, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, you can open them to 1 Peter chapter 1. Just a helpful hint, if you want to find 1 Peter, uh, you can start in the back of your Bible and then go left. Uh, it's right before 2 Peter, then 1, 2, 3 John, then Jude and Revelation. So it's right there in the back. Um, just a quick announcement before we dive in. Two weeks from today uh, is our Origins family Christmas party. It's going to be right here immediately following worship. It's potluck, so bring your favorite dish, and we're just going to uh, spread these chairs out, bring some tables in. We're just going to have an awesome lunch together. So uh, that is December the 15th, so right after worship, two weeks from today. So put that on your calendar. Um, the last time we did that, it was super fun. It was a huge hit, so um, you'll want to make this one as well. Um, I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving, um, and I'm glad you're here today. This could have been a very easy Sunday to miss since of, uh, because of the holiday weekend uh, and because uh, it's raining outside, but I'm glad that you're here. Um, uh, this is uh, an exciting day. Not only can you listen to Christmas music without fear of judgment, uh, but this is also the first day of our Advent series. Um, for those who may not be familiar, our um, Christians, we celebrate uh, the Advent season, which usually takes place from December the 1st through the 24th, and this is uh, just a season of time where we celebrate uh, uh, Christ's birth, uh, God becoming man, or as some people say, God with skin on, uh, coming to this earth and being born. Uh, he came uh, to uh, eventually uh, live a life and, and do some incredible things and then die and raise to life uh, to bring uh, salvation, to bring healing, to bring new life to people. And so we celebrate his birth, but then we also anticipate uh, the fact that he's coming back and that he's returning and he's going to make everything new and he's going to make everything great the way that he intended things to be, the way he created things to be. And so we, we, uh, we celebrate Jesus' birth, we anticipate that he's coming back. Um, and so uh, this is going to be an awesome uh, next four weeks through this Advent series. We have our Advent candle here. Uh, Michael, it's your job to watch that candle, and if things get out of hand, just holler or go blow it out. That's fine, yeah. Um, and so uh, hopefully I've given you time to find First Peter uh, chapter 1. I'm going to read uh, just verses 3 through 5, just a couple verses, and then I'll pray for us, and then we'll talk about it. First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Let me pray for us real quick. Dear Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have access uh, to these words that you wrote down. Uh, we just pray and ask that it would transform us, that it would make us more like Jesus. Uh, would your spirit grab our attention and prepare our hearts to receive what you know we need in this moment. Um, I pray that we would not just be merely uh, hearers of your word today, but we would be doers of your word. 
Um, So I pray that you would show us um, how we need to respond. Uh, In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want you to think back on a time where you felt hopeless, like absolutely hopeless. Um, Maybe somebody close to you uh, maybe passed away. Maybe you had to kind of walk alongside them for a very long time, and maybe uh, somebody close to you uh, died or passed away. Uh, Maybe you got let go from your job, or maybe uh, your spouse walked out on you. Maybe your spouse was unfaithful to you. Um, maybe, uh, maybe you grew up in an abusive home, an abusive situation. You think back on that. Maybe you've struggled with an addiction uh, to drugs or alcohol or pornography or any of those sorts of things. Uh, maybe you've had health concerns that you've battled for, for most of your life, or maybe there was a big health scare um, that you can think back on. Or maybe it was just a lot of experience of hurt or betrayal. Maybe you just find yourself not being able to trust anyone. You have to kind of trust yourself. You're in this place of kind of self-preservation. You're the only one you can trust just because you've dealt with a past of, uh, past of hurt or betrayal. Um, and you may even be thinking to yourself, like, I don't have to think back on any of these things. Like, this is something that maybe I'm going through right now. This isn't a part of, of your past. This could be a part of your present. Um, this is happening to me now. Um, so maybe you're currently facing a situation or a circumstance where you can't possibly see it ending well, and, and like in your mind, you can't come up with a, maybe a, a positive outcome to whatever it is that you're going through. And so these are just a couple of examples of maybe what it might feel like to be in a place of, of, of just hopelessness. Um, and because you're human, uh, most of us here are, uh, then there was a time uh, where you've experienced these feelings of hopelessness. And uh, maybe you're here today and you're thinking, no, like I've actually had a pretty good life. Like, you know, thinking back on my life, I'm pretty blessed. Like I haven't gone through, uh, you know, a lot of uh, you know, difficult situations, maybe a couple bad days here and there. But in all, like I feel like I've lived a pretty good life. I wouldn't think that I have experienced hopelessness. Like that hasn't ever really been there. But the truth is, is that whether we know it or not, Either all of us are either um, have at one point or are currently uh, in a place of absolute hopelessness. Um, And I'll explain why. If you look at verse 3 in our text, I'm going to read it again. Verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. If you have a pen, you can underline great mercy. Do you know why Peter includes this phrase, great mercy? He includes this word great mercy is because, um, because Peter is telling his readers, um, he's, he's writing a letter to these churches, and he's telling his readers that before Jesus, they were all absolutely 100% hopeless. Okay? He says, before Jesus, you were absolutely hopeless. Um, and he's reminding the church that while they were dead in their sins, spiritually dead, unable to do anything to save themselves or to help themselves, they were lost and they were without hope. At this point in their life, God showed them favor and he showed them mercy. Um, and so Peter starts off his letter and he's praising God and he's worshiping God for extending mercy in the midst of their hopelessness, right? The Bible says that while we were still sinners, Right, doing our own thing, going our own way, actually actively rebelling against God, 
in that time, that's when Christ died for us. He didn't die for us when we figured things out, when we kind of got back on the right track, when we uh, were able to kind of uh, figure out how to do enough good things. That's not when Christ died for us. He said while we were still sinners, while we were still rebelling, actively rebelling against him, Christ died for us. And Peter doesn't stop there. He keeps going in verse 3, and he says that he, uh, being God, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, I love how he says, like, caused us. He says he's caused us to be born again, or some translation may read, uh, given us a new birth. He's given it to us. Um, and I love the way he includes this, because if, if you're a mom here today, um, and you've given birth to a human baby. Um, most babies are human. Uh, yeah, as opposed to a non-human baby. If you've given birth, um, did, did the baby, did your, did your baby contribute at all to the birthing process? Or was it mostly you doing all the work, right? I'm not like, I'm not a baby. I'm not like a birth-giving expert. I've never given birth. But like from, from my point of view, it seems as though the mom in, in the hospital bed or wherever she's giving birth is doing the majority of the work, and everybody else is just kind of surrounding her, just kind of cheering her on, right? That's usually how it, it kind of seems. Um, and so, it, and I laugh sometimes because, you know, you hear, you hear husbands come up to you and say, we're having a baby, and you're like, no, you're not. She is, right, because you probably would not last one minute. And so, um, and so this is kind of what, this is what Peter is telling us in verse 3. He says, you know, we have been born again, but it's of no work of our own. It's a work of God. As just like a mom gives birth, she does all the work. The baby doesn't do anything. In the same way, when Peter says that we are being uh, born again, it's saying that, you know, God has, has caused us. He has given us a new birth. This is from no work of our own. It's just simply a work of God, and he had to do it all. Now, Peter was, Peter was like a close disciple of Jesus. He was like in Jesus's like top three friend group, and so he was, he was around Jesus for most of his ministry, most of the miracles, most of the conversations. Peter kind of had a front row seat, and so um, most people think that uh, Peter includes this phrase, born again, uh, because he's recalling an interaction that he witnessed between Jesus and a man named Nicodemus in John chapter 3, the gospel of John chapter 3. And you don't have to turn there, but um, you can listen to me read it. Uh, John chapter 3, this interaction we see between Jesus and a religious man named Nicodemus, uh, it says that now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very, uh, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he was born again. How can someone be born again when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. Jesus answered, very, very I, uh, truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he has been born of water. Uh, this is talking about like a fleshly, a physical birth, and of the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. Now, you should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. 
The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, uh, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who has come from heaven, the Son of Man. And, Jesus, and just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And this is the big verse. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So this is, this is what it means to be born again. It means first that we have to believe, right? We believe in the work that God has done on our behalf. We believe the fact that we were once dead, separated from God, unable to save ourselves. But then we believe that Jesus came to, to live the life that we couldn't, uh, to die, and then uh, to, raise, uh, to raise back to life, defeating this sin and death. And so we believe that. Uh, we believe that this has actually happened. Because a dead person can't do anything, right? If we're spiritually dead, we, we can't do anything. Like, we're just absolutely dead. I love the saying that uh, Jesus came not to make uh, bad people good, but he came to make dead people alive. Um, sometimes we can kind of shorten the gospel or make it seem less uh, of what it is when we say, Jesus came just to kind of make me a better person. It's not true. He came to actually uh, breathe life into you and to give you new life. And out of that, sure, like you'll start to probably, you know, live the life that he gives you. You end up, you know, you surrender your life to him. He gives you new life. Um, and then you begin, um, and not only new life, but he gives you eternal life. And so, like, this is the gospel, and you may be asking, like, why is this important? Uh, and it's important because the gospel, uh, what we have just read here, is the source of our hope. This is where our hope comes from, period. And so, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus is the only source of hope that we have. We have hope because we have assurance of salvation. Um, now, something we kind of need to acknowledge about hope, like, sometimes... You know, the word hope gets thrown around a lot nowadays. And so um, a lot of times hope can be interpreted as like wishful thinking, right? We say like, I hope my team wins. Like well, a lot of us were saying that yesterday. I hope my team wins or, you know, I hope I get a pay raise or I hope I get a promotion or I hope uh, X, Y, and Z, whatever that might be. Um, but this, so this is like wishful thinking. That's, that's the kind of hope that gets thrown around a lot these days. But this isn't the kind of hope that Peter is using. Uh, the, the hope, the word that in, in this passage that Peter says is, uh, should be interpreted as um, an eager or confident expectation. An eager and confident expectation, right? It's not just hoping things go well. It's not just hoping things happen the way that we want them to happen, but it's having great expectations of God. And the reason we can have great expectations of God is because our hope is rooted in a resurrected Savior. Like, our hope would be very small if what, if what our Savior came to do was small. But the fact that we serve a God who defeated death, who actually rose from the grave, if that's where our hope is rooted, 
um, then we can have great hope. We can have great eager expectation of God because He has done a great thing on our behalf. Uh, as many of you know, uh, a team, a team of um, a team from Origins. We went to Guatemala uh, just a couple weeks ago, and we we kind of made a, a pit stop in Caban. Uh, and uh, Sunday morning, we got to get up and we got to worship with a church from Caban, um, and it was really it was really interesting. It was great. Love seeing just the way that people worship um, as far away as we were from here. And um, the pastor uh, of this church uh, preached a sermon on having expectations of God and what it looked like to have expectations of God and asked us, do you even have expectations of God? You know, a lot of us walk through life with just really no expectations at all. Um, so we're not really, uh, we're not really uh, upset or we're not really um, excited. We just kind of walk around with, with no expectations. And so, you know, he began to ask us, uh, you know, do you have expectations of God and what does that look like? And that was very appropriate for our team because, you know, right after that uh, church service, we were about to eat lunch and then head to Kakupek, the, the village that we as a church have, have adopted and are partnering with for the next 10 years. Um, and we're about to go spend a week in this village that we've never been before. And so the best thing that we could be asked is, man, what do you expect God to do? Um, and so that became kind of a part of our conversations throughout the week was having expectations of God. Um, what are our expectations? Are our expectations even big enough? Like, are our expectations great enough that they even reflect the greatness of God? Like, sometimes I think our expectations can kind of insult God because they're so small. Um, and so our expectations should uh, reflect the greatness of God. It seems, and it also seems funny that oftentimes when we have expectations of God and when we uh, continue to have these big expectations, it always seems like Jesus far, far exceeds the expectations that we have and begins to remind us, man, how great he is and, so, and how often, how small and simple-minded that we are because he always exceeds the expectations that um, that we always kind of set for ourselves, um, but so our hope usually kind of tends to look a lot like our expectations. Um, and so um, now, does does having hope mean that our situations, that our circumstances get better, um, that they improve uh, dramatically? Not not always, right? Just because we have hope, just because we have new hope, just because we've even decided to give our lives to Christ and make him our Lord and Savior, we sometimes we expect our circumstances or our situations to get better, but that's not always the case, right? Sometimes life even gets harder. Sometimes Jesus calls us to do even harder things than we thought or imagined. Um, but the good thing is that when we do have hope, even though our hope doesn't always pull us out, of our situations or our circumstances, what it does do is it gives us the power to endure those circumstances. No matter how terrible they are, no matter how bad our circumstances or our situations may get, yeah, hope doesn't pull us out. Following Jesus doesn't pull us out, but what it does do is it gives us uh, the power, it gives us uh, the strength to endure those situations, endure those circumstances in a way that we can never do without Jesus. And I think a lot of the reasons why people walk away from the faith is because they thought things were going to get easy, but instead things got harder, right? And so, man, having Christ in our life, having this hope will allow us to endure whatever those circumstances may be facing. In fact, Peter, in this, um, in this letter, he's actually writing to a group of churches that are facing persecution 
and, and hardship and trials. And it's funny because a lot of the letters that we read in the New Testament are guys like Paul and Peter writing to churches that are facing persecution and trials. He's not saying, I'm glad everything's going well now that you're following Jesus. They're saying, man, I know that since you've been following Jesus, it's looked terrible, but continue to endure because I promise you this hope is going to be greater. It's going to last, and it's not always going to be this way. Um, let's continue to look at verse 4 and 5. It says, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So Peter is saying, look, I know things are bad now, but remain hopeful because one day these bad things are going to go away. They're not here for good. I know this is your present circumstance, but this is not your future, right? God's already determined your future, and this is not it. I know it looks bad. I know it's tough. I know you feel like you're just fighting hard every single day, but this is not your future, although it may look like you're present. And so we endure for now, and we continue to press forward, and we continue to move forward because our future has already been determined by God. And that's, you know, we, can, we could talk about, you know, you know the, the, the future that he has for us in heaven and you know, when we don't get there, there's no more, there's no more pain, there's no t- more temptation, there's no more of that, that hardship. Um, all of those things are going to fade away. I'm not sure, like, if, if any other verse says it better than 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. I think Rob's going to put it on the screen for us. Uh, but it says, uh, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, and I don't let that word offend you, I know it doesn't feel light, but for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or just passing through, Uh, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So we read this verse and we think, like, this is the good news. This is good news, right? But the bad news is, is if we don't have Jesus, then we don't have hope. Like, if I could just write this sermon in one sentence, it would be, if you don't have Jesus, you don't have hope. But you can have Jesus and you can have hope. It's a two-for-one, or we used to call it a twofer, right? It's a two-for-one. If you have Jesus, then you have hope. But if you don't have Jesus, then you don't have hope. Hebrews 6, 19 through 20 says that we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, right? That's our heart. That's our inward being. That's our soul. Our hope enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And don't worry about him right now. Uh, so the most, the most evil thing, the most unloving thing that I could do this morning is tell you about this hope and then not tell you how you can have this hope, right? That would probably be the worst thing I could possibly do is, is tell you that this hope is available and not tell you how to have it. And as I mentioned earlier, Jesus, the gospel, is the source of our hope, right? It's the source of our hope. 
Um, in a second, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond uh, to what you've heard today, whether you've been following Jesus for a little bit or, or a long bit, or if you have no relationship with Jesus whatsoever. Uh, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. Uh, we get to take communion today as a family. Um, it's the first Sunday of the month, and it just happens to fall on the same uh, day as our Advent series kicks off, and we're talking about hope, which I think is just a, a really cool thing. Um, and so I want to challenge you um, that if you are a follower of Jesus, I want to challenge you that before you take communion, uh, just to meditate on the gospel, and then and just almost just act as if you've just heard this for the, the first time, and continue to remind yourself that once, at one point, whether you knew it or not, uh, you were without hope, and you were hopeless, but then Jesus stepped into your story, and he gave you hope, and just remember that uh, as you take communion. Remember this hope that Jesus uh, met you where you were, uh, and he gave you hope. Um, and if you're here today, uh, you wouldn't say that you even have a relationship with Jesus, and maybe this is the first time you've heard uh, any of this, um, then uh, we want to give you an opportunity to start that relationship with Jesus. Um, and I want to give you that opportunity today. Um, and once, uh, once you do that, if you decide to give your life uh, to Christ, then you can take communion with us. Uh, there's no rules with our communion. Uh, we, it's an open table, uh, but what we do require is that uh, you claim to be a follower of Jesus. Um, and if you are a follower of Jesus and there's just some, there's some sin in your life that you need to confess or you just need to do some business with God or repent of something, we ask that you would do that before you take communion. Um, and then if, uh, if, you, if you are not a follower of Jesus, um, then I'm going to tell you how to do that. And then we would love for you to take communion with us today for the first time. Um, and so... When we take communion, what we're doing is we're remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, the fact that his body was torn, uh, that his blood was shed on the cross so that we could be made right with God. And like I said at the beginning, you know, we celebrate the birth of Christ. We celebrate the fact that he came and became a man so that we can know him. Most religions require you to make your way to God or work your way towards God, but we serve a God who came to us because he knew that we couldn't do it, that we were incapable. Um, and so... We celebrate the, fi- the fact that Christ came to us, um, that, he, uh, uh, that he went back to heaven, but the fact that we also celebrate, we anticipate that he's coming back, um, that this is not the end of the story, that he's coming back to make things right here. Um, that may not happen in your lifetime, but if you are a follower of Jesus, then you're going to get to experience eternity with him in heaven forever. And so, um, so we celebrate and we anticipate Christ's return. He's coming back to make all things good. Um, so let me pray. And once I say amen, uh, the band is going gonna, is gonna to play. Take your time. Uh, but the table in the back is open so you can go um, and take communion. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you uh, that we can celebrate hope today as we prepare for the Christmas season and celebrate your birth. Uh, we remember that your birth represents hope, uh, that it represents life, uh, that you came to give us uh, life because we couldn't uh, do enough things. We couldn't act a certain way to earn the salvation or earn your grace or your forgiveness. So we thank you for the forgiveness of sins, and we thank you for taking dead people and making them alive. If you're here this morning and you want to begin a, re- a relationship with Jesus and have this hope, uh, you can just tell God in your own words, Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner, um, and I'm spiritually dead. I cannot help myself. Please come into my life and give me hope. 
change me and give me new life. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me new hope. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, So the table's open. Uh, Take your time, uh, but you can uh, spend some time with with the Lord if you want, and then make your way towards the back. Um, And we're going to sing this song and just kind of meditate on the gospel and the things that we've heard. Um, If you're here today and you prayed that prayer for the first time, only one stipulation, you have to come tell me, and I'll be in the back. I'd love to talk to you more about that and celebrate that with you. Uh, But I love you guys, and um, yep, the table's open.